There were more swathes and monstrous prints, but there was no longer any house. It had caved in like an eggshell, and amongst the ruins nothing living or dead could be discovered. Only a stench and a tarry stickiness. Hello, I'm Frank and you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. Today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm good. I very much enjoyed that quote. I didn't realise that's where Atari got their name from. Atari Stickiness, yeah. Yeah. I can't believe they didn't bring out a console called The Stickiness. Yeah, yeah. That would have worked well. (laughs) Yeah, how how are things going for you? Very well, very well. We're releasing this around Easter. Mm. Yes, the observant listener can probably spot what we're doing with the type of cards we're talking about. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I, it's, I'm going to feel ashamed to reveal what we're doing, so I'm going to let you do that, Frank. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we're going to be talking exclusively about Rabbit's Foot this episode. <laughs> exclusively. Oh, nice, yeah, thank you. Yeah, this episode, in all seriousness, we thought we'd talk about the Exile cards and the Exceptional cards. This was an idea that sort of wrote itself <laughs> once we'd... <laughs> I think Frank had suggested one or the other, and then I then swiftly followed by, oh, and... <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of set up all of the dad jokes. But we'll, rather than lingering on them, we'll move on and talk about the cards, because we do have a serious episode planned behind the, the many puns. But happy Easter, everyone, for people who are having a break and celebrating Easter. Maybe this is the perfect time for you to dust off these cards and look at them and have a think about them. Yeah. These are both keywords which relate to mainly the deck building side of it, although Exile does have a a, a game effect as well. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about them each in turn, talk about the the cards that have got them and the impacts on the game, how you might want to think about them. Uh, Yeah, should we just dive in? Let's dive in. So the exceptional keyword came in the core set, and it basically means that you pay twice the printed cost of the XP for that card, and you're limited to only one copy of that card in your deck. But we didn't see any exceptional in the core set, did we? We had to wait until late in Dunwich before the first exceptional cards arrived. Yes, we did, yes. Just as a brief side note, although it does cost double XP, it doesn't change the level of the card. Mm, So uh, an exceptional uh, exceptional card that is level 2 will cost 4 XP, but it can be included, say, if you're Wendy, you could include a level 2 rogue exceptional card. Precisely, yeah. So also worth bearing in mind for someone like Lola, who has access to level 3 across all the classes. So any exceptional cards that cost 6 XP, she might still have access to. Um, how many are there? There, are, there aren't very many at all. There are 6, 7, 8. No, seven. Seven. Seven, yes. Got there in the end. (laughs) Yeah, and they are pretty much all have got powerful effects or wide-ranging effects or effects that significantly alter the game. They're all, in a way, I would imagine, cards that might have a severe impact, a broken impact, if you were able to have multiple ones in play yourself at a time. Well, should we quickly run down what the cards are? Yes. Right. We have uh, Ace in the Hole. Mm Mm-hmm. Which gives you uh, three extra actions during your turn. We have Borrow Time, which also kind of gives you three extra actions during your turn. That Mm -hmm. stores up up actions. We have uh, Sharon's Obel. Sharon's Obel? 
We had this discussion about how to pronounce it. Any pronunciation is legitimate. Thank you. This is a, a permanent, it, it's an unusual one. It actually ties into the exceptional cards themselves, I think. Mm. And this, when you finish a scenario, you get two bonus experience. Yeah. Just for you. However, if you are defeated during the scenario, you're killed. So playing on kind of Iron Man mode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lucky dice that you spend resources to reveal another token for the test. Yeah. Stick to the plan sticks out because it's a guardian card. This lets you search your deck for a certain subset of cards and put them on stick to the plan and have access to them, you know, whenever you want during the early game. Mm. Yeah. Golden Pocket Watch is the, is the big one. This lets you skip or repeat a phase. There's all sorts of uses for that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, we have the Skeleton Key, which attaches to a location and sets the shroud value of the location to one. Yeah. So it makes your investigating tests potentially much easier. There was a ruling on Skeleton Key, which I really love, which is that essentially whatever you then do to the Shroud, it still stays as one. Yeah. So if you get Ooze and Filth in Carcosa that's adding Shroud to all locations, the Skeleton Key location is still one. If you use a flashlight charge, drop the Shroud by two, the, lo- the Shroud is still one. Which is great. I like it because it's... It, it doesn't make it a surefire thing. It makes it easy, but not perfect, which I just think is, yeah, it's a nice little detail. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about Stick to the Plan briefly, because it does stick out, as you say. It seems to me probably one of the strongest Guardian cards out there, and that's because it gives you three cards out of your deck, so it thins your deck, and it can set up so many great opening turns for guardians and i'd argue that getting a good start as a guardian is so important so being able to have an emergency cash on there and guarantee being able to play that and get a weapon down early on is sort of vital what do you think about stick to the plan i would entirely agree with you it gives a huge amount of reliability uh, to mm. the class that's a good uh, word. just being yeah. able to pick three cards early on and then you'll also see say uh, Ever Vigilant can go on stick to the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ever Vigilant is a card you really want in the first few turns of the game and actually probably doesn't have that much use once you've set up your assets. Mm. Yeah. So what you might find is you put it on stick to the plan and then you could draw one in your opening hand and then you use it in your opening hand and then the other copy isn't in your deck, which is also good. Yeah. So yeah. I think you know, you're a winner no matter which way you go with it. Just being yeah. able to guarantee, say, an ever vigilant or or an emergency cash first turn, I think, is so good, it's super good. Mm. Yeah, I've then found in Mark you can put something like a shortcut on there, or you can put some singleton cards, like say, prepared for the worst or a dynamite blast on there, and they're then not in your deck, they're not clogging up your hand, they're on tap for that moment that you need them which I just think is, yeah, is great. I've also done On the Hunt on Sticks of the Plan. So when I know I'm set up, I can go on the hunt and maybe play Scene of the Crime or anything like that afterwards. It's very nice. Reliability is definitely the the word around it. Yes, yeah, certainly. And I think if you had two in your deck, it would be ridiculously good. <laughs> yeah, that would be, yeah, nearly a quarter of your deck. And even taken. at 6 XP, I think it's a it's a very good early pick mm-hmm. for, a, for a Guardian. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it also lets you... We won't dwell too long on this card, but it lets you get the most out of your some of your other XP cards. 
Mm. So if you do something like upgrade cash or you you get ever vigilant, mm-hmm. you want to you want to have those cards, and then you can yeah. guarantee having it. What I quite like is that there's there's now an argument for upgrading one of your emergency caches, mm. and you put that on here, and then the other one is just a bonus three resources at some point in the game. Yeah, and little shout out I think to all of the decks that are doing things around a big firearm, and. You can't guarantee having that firearm in your opening hand, but you could have prepared for the worst on sticks to the plan and extra ammunition. I think extra ammunition is tactic, yeah. And, say, a contraband, if you're able to take it, because that's supply-traded. So you have all of the pieces apart from the weapon ready to go, and over a series of turns you get it in play, you find it, get it in play, add more ammo to it, and then double all of that ammo. Really fun to watch that style of play. It's really fun to play, actually. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, okay, right. So we, that's the Guardian one done. <laughs> yeah, easy peasy. Let's talk about Rogues. Rogues mm. have got access to all of the other exceptional cards. And I think the key card to talk about first is Sharon Zobel. Okay. Because I think what this does is enables Rogues or factions which have access to level one Rogue cards to have a considerable amount more experience than other car, uh, other factions. Mm-hmm. If you can manage the risk, and actually, probably Rogue is the faction to manage that risk more. They have more tricks to get out of trouble than the other the other factions. Mm. Yeah, if you combine, I'm out of here, elusive, and then also you handle this one. When we're talking about multiplayer, they have a lot of ways of sort of slipping away from problems and dodging them to ensure that they survive. Yeah, yeah. So if I buy. I buy the Orbal after the first scenario in a campaign. After every other scenario, it gives me two experience, mm-hmm. which amounts to, <laughs> is that five scenarios worth of experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. So that's 10 experience? Is it five or six? Depends on the campaign, obviously. Yeah. Scenario one, you lose two. Scenario two, you're evens again. Yeah. And then you get three, four, five, six, seven you'll get XP, which is, yeah, five. So you'll have gained 12 XP, but spent two. Yeah, and that is enough to buy any of the exceptional cards. Mm, Yeah. You know, kind of neutral cost. Yeah, before you even factor in what XP you're getting from scenarios. So what do you think about this card? Because I think it's maybe the linchpin of of rogues having more experience. And I find they do. Rogues can have an awful lot of experience using this card. Uh, Mm. Is this something you normally take? When you're playing Rogue? I'll give a qualified yes. Yeah. (laughs) And there are probably two qualifications. One is some campaigns have scenarios that are incredibly hard not to be defeated in. So I'm thinking then of, say, Essex or Boundary Beyond, perhaps, where one of the ways of finishing that scenario is just accepting that you'll get defeated if things go badly. And the Obol obviously punishes that far... uh, more fiercely than than any of the kind of scenario punishments as a result. So that's that's one thing that I would give me a little bit of hesitation. The other reason I might pause is if I'm playing solo. Yeah. And yeah. if I'm playing solo, just not, you know, you have to be able to, to deal with everything. And sometimes when I play solo, I'm nearly finished the scenario, but it's kind of coming down to a couple of token pulls or things like that if I've had a bit of a rough ride of it. And the risk there is that an unlucky pull you end up taking three horror when you can only take two or 
an enemy lands a hit on you that you were thinking you were going to evade, but you drew tentacles on an evade, something like that, suddenly your campaign is over. But uh, weirdly, I would say that the obol is probably more needed in solo than it is in multiplayer. It's hard to get experience. It's hard to get experience. You've got to be able to kill all the XP enemies and clear out all the locations. So I could probably do more around adjusting my own playstyle as a rogue and getting a little bit of experience and doing as well as I can. And if it looks like I'm on a knife edge just playing, I'm out of here and and aborting rather than trying to get to the last possible moment before scrambling for the exit. And if I'm aborting and I've, say, left a couple of XP out there, the obble's going to pay that back anyway. So I've, in a way, made it easier for myself. Yeah. Have you ever been killed because you've had it in your deck? I have, yes. And it was Finn in the Boundary Beyond. Oh, no. That's a hard one as well. That's a hard one, and that's one that there's no exit. So you have to survive. Yeah. It wasn't the live play Finn, Finn listeners, in case you're panicking because you've not heard that episode yet. But um, I've not taken the obble in that. The the crazy thing was that I had doomed as my basic weakness in that campaign. And up until Boundary Beyond, I'd not seen doomed at all. And I was thinking, I can do this. I've not seen doomed at all. I've got another four scenarios to go. Even if I see it every single scenario, I'll still just be okay. This is going to be all right. And then a couple of unlucky token pulls in Boundary Beyond and I was dead. So, <laughs> yeah, it was It was both. I was already prepared for that character to die, yeah. but it was not the way I had planned for. Fantastic. I think maybe Sharon Zobel is, is a good enabler of, of the other exceptional cards. Should we pick the quintessential exceptional card and just talk about that for for a minute or two. Yeah. And to me, that's Golden Pocket Watch, mm-hmm. which has a huge impact on the game if you play it and use it at the right time. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the reasons I love the Pocket Watch so much is that a creative group of players can find all sorts of uses for it. Mm. Mm. Not only can you repeat your investigator turn which is obviously the most well it's often the most obvious immediate impact you can have on the game mm-hmm. yeah you can also use it for things like skipping up keep phases mm-hmm. you know and there might be all sorts of edge cases where that's useful say you're about to draw your last card and you've got beyond the veil in play mm-hmm. or, or you yeah. know there's there's a big enemy at your location you don't want to ready yeah yeah or, you know, you can skip the enemy phase, you can even repeat the enemy phase, you can skip the mythos phase. It's all sorts of things you can do. You you raced over repeat the enemy phase there. Yeah, that's yeah. the troll play. But, yeah. but you know, yeah. maybe there's a reason why that's that's the right play in the moment. And and I like that the card really offers... It's, it's very flexible, and mm. although it's very powerful, it's got a commensurate cost in experience to put into your deck. I think it's we'd be remiss not to mention something that happened at Arkham and Flames. Yes, I thought you were going to mention Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this just is an example of the power of the exceptional cards. The Rogue team, I think all the players had taken Gold Pocket Watch. Certainly at least three of them had, because I think mm-hmm. three of them all played it during the final round in order to fight the big boss enemy at the end. And they did, I think, 68 damage to mm-hmm. the enemy, which is... A multiple of of the actual health that he had. <laughs> they used it simply to repeat the investigation phase, just four to, times, I think, just to keep on attacking it and doing damage. Yeah, but that's 
I think they probably had 13 or 14 actions each, at, uh, not each, 13 or 14 actions in the group per investigation phase. So it then just balloons in actions that they can spend. Yeah. And at that point, you can, particularly if you've evaded a retaliate enemy first action, you can just be slicing away at them with a switchblade or firing sort of random shots, them not worrying too much about boosting because you don't need to because you've got hundreds of actions ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's this sort of brings me on to the other thing I wanted to talk about with Exceptional, which is the obvious limitation that you can only ever have one of the cards in your deck. Mm. Sorry, you can have one of an exceptional card in your deck. You can have as many exceptional cards as you want, but each each one you can only have one of. Mm. That's normally uh, an indicator of power. Yes. You think about other cards that say limit one per investigator or things like that. You'll still be allowed two copies of that card, but as soon as one's in play, it's limited. Absolutely, yes. But this, the second copy of it uh, massively increases your chance of drawing the card at some point during the game. Mm. Uh, you always think about, what if the card's on the bottom of your deck and you're never going to see it for the whole game? Yeah. What if this card you've just spent eight experience on is just sitting on the bottom of your deck? Mm. You know, and then, then you're you're shafted. I appreciate it would cost a lot of experience to buy two copies, but it would be more reliable then. Absolutely. I guess the question is, what can you do to boost the reliability of, of drawing these cards during the game? If anything. Yeah, well, some of them are relic-traded, the Lucky Dice and the Gold Pocket Watch, which means that Ellie can go and hunt them for you and hold them, not that they take up slots. I think the Lucky Dice takes up a hand, is that right? No, it doesn't. It's accessory, isn't it, Lucky Dice? No, it's just item and relic, I think. Oh, no, it's accessory, yeah, you're right. Same with the Pocket Watch. And the Skeleton Key is also relic-traded. So Ellie can fetch those for you, and that, of course, means as well that Ursula can take all of those cards, which is a little odd off-rogue pick. Oh, the Obel yeah, is relic-traded as well. Not that it helps you fetch it. Yes, yeah, yeah. She, she can collect the extra XP from yeah. it. Which, yeah, which I use yeah. in my first playthrough of, of Forgotten Age. Nice, on a blind playthrough, no less. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the first that's springing to mind. I sort of wonder if the point of most of these cards being in Rogue is that Rogue doesn't have the draw potential of Seeker, and that's a way of chaining these cards' power to a certain extent. Yes. Because if you put these cards in a deck that has huge amounts of draw, the likelihood of seeing them obviously increases, and then their game-breaking potential goes through the roof. But in multiplayer, spending 5 XP on No Stone Unturned level 5 so that you can immediately find the gold pocket watch for the rogue player seems to me a very good investment. I would absolutely agree with you, and that's that's exactly the card I was going to mention. Mm. Being able to boost the reliability of your team like that, especially now Joe can put the sudden turn in his in his hunch deck, yeah, and play it for free. So just play it. no actions. Wait for it to pop up. Yeah, no actions, no money. Just there you go. Any card you want. Mm. And even does no stone and turn level zero. Is that any investigator? Yes. Yeah. Six cards. Search six cards. We've seen a few other cards, uh, Mister Rook. Does yeah. he work on any investigator? I must admit, I haven't played with Mr. Rook yet. He's only your deck. Right. So someone like Jenny, who could take Mr. Rook or Finn. Yeah, or Ursula. Could use him. Or Ursula, yeah. And then you might find an investigator at your location has something like the Old Book of Law, which enables you to run through your deck more quickly as well. Mm. So interesting, most of these cards 
that tend to be seeker cards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a rogue option for card draw, which is all in or all in, as you like to call <laughs> all, it. All in. Yeah, that allows you to draw many cards, but it is predicated on smashing a test. Very so, rogue. which which rogues can do? Yeah, but yeah, it comes with significant challenges around that. That just paying two for no stone on time five at any time doesn't come with those challenges. Yeah, I think. That's one of the reasons why I like playing exceptional cards is that there's a certain, it's like a mini game for whoever's playing them about finding the card, picking the right time to use it. If it's a card that you're going to put in play, like the Lucky Dice or the Pocket Watch, you've then got to protect it in play. So if you're playing that in Skids or Fin and have low willpower, it's vulnerable to effects that make you discard assets if they're willpower based. There's all of that kind of game around it. I, I've always enjoyed when someone puts the gold pocket watch down, turn three, say, and then we're waiting for the best time to trigger it. And that causes its own debate in the group. Similarly, actually, with Ace in the Hole, I've been playing that in a fin deck with Payday and picking the time that I'm going to definitely evade an enemy. So I'm going to have four actions and then play Ace in the Hole. So I get seven actions that turn. So I end up with Payday. I really enjoy that that mini game of is this a turn where I need seven actions? Or is this a turn? What would I do with my seven actions? How would I help? And then, you know, the time when you think there's a better one coming along is the time it doesn't and you never you end up not using it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I even have done it where I've used it and then I've actually only needed six actions. So action seven has been take a resource and then use fence and play payday for another seven resources you know you've got to do something with those actions you want the quality of the the actions to be high borrowed time i think really exemplifies that sort of internal battle or it makes it external because every turn the borrowed time player is just putting resources back on borrowed time they're getting the actions and they're just putting them back getting the actions putting them back getting the action so it's the, the kind of biding one's time waiting for the effect to trigger and then you might have that turn where you don't spend the actions topping up borrowed time. You instead spend the actions chopping something up or dashing around the map or whatever else it is you do. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. The The final thing I'd say about Exceptional and where I always feel Exceptional is worth a look is that the things that Exceptional offers are normally uh, pushing at the boundaries of the game, pushing at the the parameters of what keeps an investigator under control. So Ace in the Hole gives you a double turn. Gold Pocket Watch potentially skips an entire phase, which is, yeah, incredible. Skeleton Key can destroy the Shroud of the highest shrouded location. And Lucky Dice, as long as you can pay, you can you can keep taking a test as long as you need to get the result you need. So within that, they really stand out for me as they're taking the, the building blocks of turns, actions, resources, tests, shroud, and just throwing them out the window. So suitably powerful, suitably exceptional. And I think people maybe bulk at the cost a little bit, but the return is, in my mind, normally worthwhile. Yeah. Okay, well, let's look at the flip side of these cards that you save up for and buy once, and they have that, that big showy effect. Let's look at the exile cards. Exile mm. cards. So again, just to just to highlight the rules, this was introduced in the Dunwich Legacy, I believe. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's the first new keyword we saw, and exile when a card is exiled as part of its effect, it's removed from your deck permanently. 
Mm. Yeah. You spend the XP to buy it because they all cost XP. You put it in your deck and when you use it, it's gone. And if you want to use it again, you have to rebuy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's also removed from your deck in that game as well. So this has an impact if you're playing in a faction which has recursion. So you can't mm. play an XL card then use something like Resourceful to get it back. Yeah. If you want to give me an overview of which factions have access to them and... That's easy to do. It's Survivor and Survivor only at the moment. Yeah. So we've got five and one has been teased coming later in this cycle. Yeah, so I reckon we don't talk about that card just because it's a couple of packs away before it comes out, even though it's been announced. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. And let's stick to what we know and we have experience with. Fine. Okay. There's a relatively short list, so I'll, I'll like I did with exception, I'll just run down them quickly. Please, yeah. We have a test of will, which I'm going to make sure I get this right because there's lots of similar effects. This cancels a non-weakness treachery card drawn... Uh, sorry, the revelation effect of a non-weakness mm. treachery card for any that's drawn at your location. Yeah. Then we have uh, Devil's Luck, which cancels up to 10 damage and or horror. Mm-hmm. Dealt to you, not at your location. Yes. Fire, fire Extinguisher, which is a weapon you can use that gives you a small combat boost, no damage boost, or you can exile it for a hefty evade boost. So you get plus three to your evade. And if you succeed at that, you evade all the enemies at your location. Sorry, each enemy engaged with you at your location. We have Flare, which gives you a hefty bonus to combat and damage and is exiled, or lets you search the top nine cards of any investigator's deck for an ally and put it into play, uh, and then you exile Flare. Mm, Finally, we have Stroke of Luck, which is a skill card with exile, and if you commit it to a test, you can choose to exile Stroke of Luck and automatically succeed at the test, unless you've pulled the Tentacle Token. Yep. So they're all relatively powerful effects, and they're all mm. on cards which are cheap in terms of cost. Yeah, there's only one that costs 2 XP, and then the most expensive event there is a 2-cost event. <laughs> yes. So it's 2 cost to fight to search 9 cards in any player's deck, for an ally and put him to play. So that could be, you know, yeah. Leo, Leo DeLuca. Yeah. So two, two costs to get a nine, uh, uh, sorry, a six cost asset into play. That gives you an extra action. And would be mm. quite annoying if you've taken it out of someone else's deck. Yes, because it comes into play under your control. So you steal that ally, you summon them with your flair. So have you used any of these cards much? Yes, I have. Which ones have you used and what's your experience been with them? So I think Test of Will is phenomenal. Yes. And I've used that a lot in a lot of different decks, including in Min, because she can take Survivor 0 to 2. Uh, I think in Agnes, because she can take Survivor 0 to 2. And then in various solo Survivors, I think in Wendy, in Silas. It's 1 cost, 1 XP cancellation. And really, it's just so straightforward that I think it's a, a nice, decent, strong card. I love the fact that it also can target any investigator drawing a non-weakness treachery card because one of the drawbacks with Ward of Protection is that until you upgrade that to level 2, you can only cancel your own cards, so you're relying on people slightly to fend for themselves. And test, test of Will means, you know, if you've got, say, uh, one turn before the agenda advances and 
all you need is for someone not to draw ancient evils and the fourth person in your party draws ancient evils spending an xp to stop that to give you all another turn is yeah incredible so that's really strong and then the other one i've used a lot is stroke of luck yeah i've i've used it because it's a skill card and it's an innate skill card in silas yeah so what you can end up doing with stroke of luck is committing it to a test seeing if you're going to pass or not because it gives you a wild and then you've got a choice do i use silas's ability to pull it back to hand because i'm going to pass anyway or do i leave it committed and let it end up in the discard pile because between resourceful silas's elder sign ability and true survivor if you're playing true survivor there are so many ways to get it back or do I leave it committed and this is, oh God, I really got to pass this test and I exile it. So I've I played a campaign where from about halfway through the campaign, it was Silas through Forgotten Age. From the Heart of the Elders onwards, I'd have two Test of Will and two Stroke of Luck in my deck and I'd just rebuy them after every scenario, pretty much. And I was getting enough XP because the deck was so powerful that six XP to put into those cards really didn't hurt me very much at all and that's only if you've exiled all of them during the game which yeah. by no means happens yeah absolutely so what would i'd probably spend about three xp after a scenario normally just because yeah for whatever reason maybe stroke of luck's been committed rather than exiled things like that yeah how about you what's your experience with it? i must admit the same two are the two that i've used uh test of will mm. and stroke of luck stroke of luck it wasn't until relatively recently I was playing through, uh, I forget which campaign, but with Pete, who used Stroke of Luck. And mm. it was just, you know, the fact that you can just put it into a skill test as a, as, a, as a wild icon, that's good. Yeah, that's good. And then decide afterwards whether you want to pass the test. Or it, it's like a super lucky, isn't it? Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah. You wait and see Precisely. what what's happened with the test. And actually in that campaign, Pete just ran out of other things he wanted to spend experience on. Mm. Uh, so, you know, even though it's an exile card, I'll put it in, use it, if if I need to. Because there's nothing yeah. else this experience is going to go on. You've touched on exactly where these cards fit into the faction that they fit into, which is that, as we know, survivors don't have XP cards that cost 4 or 5 XP currently. No, no. And, you know, some survivors have access to other factions or some other factions have access to survivor. Mm. It does make me speculate that we've seen deck building cards for other factions. So like Arcane Research, Shrewd Analysis and Mm -hmm. uh, Adaptable. Yeah. uh, Potentially one we'd see for survivors might interact with Exile cards. Yeah, that could be really good. Yeah, I've seen people, uh, fan design investigators as well, one which played around Exile. I think it was the first time you exile a card, don't exile it or gain an XP or something that essentially allowed you to rebuy an Exile card. Yeah. Which I thought was quite intriguing. There's a visceral hatred of removing cards from your deck that you spent experience to include, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah. My impression would be a lot of people are very hesitant to use these cards. Because taking out of your deck forever once you've bought it seems like a waste of the experience you've spent in it. Yeah. How do we square this away? Do we think these cards are worth the experience? I know I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what do we say to those people who are saying, I don't want to waste that one experience I've earned putting this card into my deck and then taking it out again? Yeah, those are two separate questions. I also think they're strong enough and 
definitely worth inclusion. I think part of it is maybe about thinking how many scenarios you have left in the campaign and how many times you might use them if you were to actually buy them for every scenario that you're about to play. So if it's if I've played four scenarios and I'm buying Test of Will and I'm hoping to use Test of Will for the next the remaining four scenarios, that's going to cost me an XP for five, an XP for six, an XP for seven, and an XP for eight. So I'm going to get, it's going to be a four cost cancellation at that point. Yeah, which seems like a lot, I would say. And particularly if you buy Test of Will after the first scenario, you're committing to spending seven XP on it. But needs to be seen in context of the fact that there aren't those expensive cards for survivors that you're thinking, God, if only I had four more XP, I could afford this five, eight cost card for my my survivor. Plus, I I think using it every, using both copies of Test of Will, if if you went with two, every scenario in a campaign is probably pretty far-fetched. I don't mm. think that would often mm. happen. I think you'd probably use it maybe five times. Yeah. If you had one copy, you'd maybe use it three or four times over the course of a campaign. I think if you had mm-hmm. two copies, you know, maybe five, six, seven times, maybe someone could mm. work work out the maths. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. See how often they're it. rebought. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and really, you you know, you save them for a, a clutch moment in the game when. It's going to be a there's a severe negative effect to failing the or, or the encounter card that's just come up. You know, ancient evils is is a great example. Yeah, and I will say there are plenty of times where I have test of will in hand. Say I'm Wendy and I draw a willpower test and I think I could cancel this, but I do have willpower four and a, an innate token redraw as Wendy. So maybe I just go for it and see what I get. Like similarly with Devil's Luck, actually, I think Devil's Luck came up as uh, a campaign too late, a cycle too late to be really powerful because that cancel 10 damage is perfect cancellation for Beyond the Veil. Yeah. And if only it had come up in Dunwich, I think maybe people would have tried it out a little bit more. And what I find now is that I actually can play around Beyond the Veil pretty reliably. And so I'm rarely playing Dunwich going, gosh, I should definitely buy Devil's Luck. I really don't want Beyond the Veil to wipe me out. I think you might find certain exile cards are more useful in certain scenarios as well. Mm. So you can tailor your deck to being better. Because I think the the, the point we're trying to make is that these cards are under-costed in terms of experience. Mm. They're more balanced around the experience cost being valid if you buy it multiple times. And it's how many times you want to buy it versus how much you want to use it, I guess, is, is the, the equation you've got to make in your head. Is the, that, that, that's, that's how you assess these cards. But if, if you're in a scenario, say, with lots of enemies, you might say, well, in this scenario, I want fire extinguisher or flare in order to let me get away from trouble. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting the two we've picked out as being the ones we like are the, the most generically useful ones, which are Test of Will and Stroke of Luck. Absolutely, yeah. I'm just thinking of Stroke of Luck in Yorick, where it's like there'll be that time where you do a vicious blow, big attack, you just need it to hit. Tentacle's the only thing that will ruin you. And then spending 2 XP to guarantee that killing blow on a boss is great. It's just exactly what you need. Yeah, but you do reveal you do reveal a token. Stroke of Luck you doesn't do. help you with the Tentacle token. It doesn't, no. True. Stroke of Luck is, is really good if you're way below a test. <laughs> 
if uh, oh yeah sorry no i see what you mean my example wasn't as good yeah the the enemy in that example was 19 fight i don't or like you know silas is taking a six difficulty willpower test or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah or you know he's he's on he's on the nose for a skill value at a test a critical skill test i think that's the time stroke of luck comes into play yeah yeah those those must succeed moments that we've all had, yeah, and we've all panicked as the tokens revealed or cheered as 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 that goes up. Are there any investigators you'd say that are better at taking exile cards than others? Oh, that's a hell of a question. Hmm. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Did you have someone in mind, or are you just throwing that out as a general question? It was just a general question. I think. I think. Survivor main class are the ones that I would always look to because Absolutely, they yeah. miss out on four to five XP. I was wondering about Flare and Fire Extinguisher as maybe finding a better home in Rita, particularly Fire Extinguisher, because when you're playing I'm Done Running, that huge group of aid can turn into damage to everyone if you want it to. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, Preston could look at Stroke of Luck as well. Hmm. Yeah, it's sort of like his ability, isn't it? He, he can pay two to, to automatically succeed, or he could commit stroke of luck. Which is nice when all of your stats are one. Uh, plus he can take yeah. Sharon Zobel, so he's obviously got experience to spare. That's his free stroke of luck every scenario, yeah. Just back to Exile themselves, there's another minor fringe benefit, which is that when the card is exiled, you get to put in a level zero card for mm. no experience afterwards to top your deck back up to the required number of cards. So you can actually use this to your advantage. If if you're not a, a survivor who has access to rogue cards to use something like adaptable, if you're swapping out yep. for level zero cards, you might as well just put in a level one exile card. Buy a test of will, cancel something, and it gives you the XP swap that you would have spent an XP for anyway. But just a, a game late. Yeah. I don't think that's a minor fringe benefit. I think that's a hidden bonus that comes with the the exile cards, that you can be making these changes and tacking from one direction to another without spending it. I found that with Silas, that when I first built Silas, I built him very combat heavy and really neglected his four agility. And as a campaign went on, I realized I was evading more and more and I wanted to add in more things that keyed off agility. And I used exile as a way of doing that, that I just just moved it round you know and similarly i think i started as a dark horse build and then i bought the time worn brand so i then wasn't as bothered about dark horse wasn't using the fire axe dark horse madame lebranche thing rather than spend xp to change those cards i spent xp to buy cancellation that then changed those cards for me yeah i think i think that's very uh, powerful and often overlooked about exile yeah it's really struck me, Peter, as we talk about these two, that actually Exceptional and Exile, they're both maybe undervalued by some of the community at large. And weirdly, for something like the same reason, the Exile cards, because you don't want to spend XP on cards that you won't get lots of uses out of, and the Exceptional cards, because you don't want to spend lots of XP on a card you might get a lot of might not get a lot of use out of. And it just... it. They're so different. They're polar opposites in terms of cost and sort of bomb effect. And yet, actually, they get treated the same way, which is, oh, they're a bit edge. And I don't think they work for me. A bit niche. Yeah. I think maybe Exile suffers from that more. Exceptional Mm -hmm. cards certainly have that 
is it Timmy in the in the in the triad of card gamer types who likes power cards? They're always going to have that that big, you know, splash effect um, appeal yeah. to them. There's a big number on the card, even if it is a cost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Exile has certainly got the short end of the stick in terms of the the, the deck building options, and I think mm-hmm. maybe people negatively view the survivor faction as a whole because of it yeah that wouldn't surprise me yeah and i think that they are test of will especially i think is a really good card i think it's an absolute bargain at one experience you know it's it's a it's better than a ward of protection level zero at you know one experience you're trading a horror for an xp at that point yeah and getting a better effect yeah yeah it's a good card. Yeah, <laughs> I think people should 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 try it. I think they shouldn't write off Exile just because of that desire not to take cards out of their deck. I think they should they should try these cards for absolute sure. Yeah. Let's hope that's people's takeaway from this episode. <laughs> well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode, listener. You can write to us. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're on Patreon, designed by humans, Facebook, and Twitter. All as drawn to the flame. So please. Look at us on those places, send us a message, and let us know your amazing exceptional plays and your amazing exile plays. Have you got a deck that makes one or both of these card types work phenomenally? We'd love to hear about it. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I am Unitled everywhere, that's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on uh, Twitter and our Discord and Reddit sometimes, so say hello. How about you, Frank? I'm FB on Twitter, that's E-P-H underscore B-E-E, and I'm around the places Zooey Glass or Zozo. And yeah, thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Hi, listener. If you're listening to this bit, this is the little spoiler content for the card that was announced in the Union and Disillusion Mythos pack. It's an exile card, so we thought we'd talk about it as well for those people who've already seen that card. If you've not looked at that card because you don't read news articles, just skip this little bit. Nothing we say is of any importance, so don't worry, but we thought we'd cover it anyway. Peter, tell me about this card. Okay, this is a Guiding Spirit. It's a one-cost, one-XP asset, and it has ally and geist traits. It's the first Mm. time we've seen a geist trait on a player card. Yeah, yeah. You get plus one intellect. Non-direct horror must be assigned to Guiding Spirit before it can be assigned to your Investigator card. Forced, after Guiding Spirit is defeated by horror, exile it. And it has three horror soak, and it takes up an ally slot. I'm going to say right away, Min, with calling in favours an academic army. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She likes this, especially if you take, if you when you've got some charisma down as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The other thing is, the key card to mention is our friend, the big man on campus. Mm. Who loves soaking up horror anyway? Oh, yes. Yeah, with charisma as well. Okay, I like that. That, And, of course, there's the keepsake worth mentioning. I mean, we've gone straight to this, haven't we, of is there a way in Survivor that you can avoid actually putting any of the horror on yourself? And Survivor is very good at soaking horror in other ways. Yes, absolutely, and preventing it altogether with certain cards. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and in, in fact, in in that case, you might think Calvin's a good place for this as well. Oh, no, no, he's exactly yeah, the wrong place for this. Yeah. <laughs> as long as he has other soaks, yeah. Yeah. But he couldn't build up once he has the Guiding Spirit down. Yeah. he's desperately... It's a block, it's taking all the damage from him, and Calvin's yeah. there like, no, no, hit me instead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, for 
one cost and an ally slot for plus one intellect, even if it is an experience, that seems really good. Yeah. The other two static intellect, no, three static intellect boost cards all cost four. So it's a real bargain for just for the resource cost of it. Yes, it is. Yes. You'd look at maybe something like newspaper or that's newspaper is probably a, a good comparison, I guess. Yeah. Which gives yeah. you an intellect boost, but only if you have no clues. So it is a, it is an, it's a boost of two, isn't it, newspaper? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could combine the two. If you're a kind of clue getting survivor, you can get your intellect to pretty hefty levels with a guiding spirit in a newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. I What I like about this is that this makes me think of Stroke of Luck as well, that you can play around the exile. And I think we mentioned this in the episode, but people think about exile as, oh, I'm spending this XP and I'll definitely use the card. Yeah. And therefore it's it's a it's a waste. It's it's just one and done. Whereas with this, potentially you could buy this after the first scenario and then play around ever letting it get exiled. And you yes. spent one XP there or two XP for two copies for a static boost for the entirety of a campaign. It's just yeah, really yes. generous. It, it's it's an interesting shift in the use of exile, I think. Where yeah. you don't have to exile it to get the effect. <laughs> Yes, yeah. The, yeah, the effect yeah. Is, is, is a consequence of it, it fulfilling its purpose. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't think it's the end of the world if it dies, if, if it takes the three horror, because it's, it's one experience you've, you've paid, but you can very likely go through a chunk of the campaign without it dying. Yeah. And if you're planning on taking it, you can also plan on playing around that. If you're pl- taking it in, say, Yorick, you can also take something worth fighting for and have a way of soaking lots of horror that you can replay or you could just take keepsake and replay that as well yeah oh it's a nice thematic thing there with uh with yorick where he kills an enemy and he plays it from his discard pile so like kills an enemy and then the ghost of the enemy (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, yeah. starts following around telling him what to do yeah if you've discarded it to cornered or something like that got it in your discard pile committed it yeah and and even if it's defeated for another well or it's it's trashed for another reason discarded yeah. for another reason it's not exiled so yeah. if you're hit by a crypt chill or whatever you know it's not that's not gonna wipe it out forever yeah yeah i think at, at this I, i'm really interested in this card i'd i'd like to play with it mm-hmm. me too but i think it's i think it's good i think one cost for a three so plus a static boost is such a bargain that it's definitely worth looking into yeah yeah and it comes with all of my classic i'm grinning as i say this all of the classic thoughts about the contested nature of the ally slot. Yeah. Which we'll leave for another time. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> if there's any slot that's hard. severely overloaded, it's that ally slot, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When are we getting an investigator who just starts with charisma? Yeah, that's what I want. Cool. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.